0: Okay, open your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 11, Proverbs chapter 11, and we're going to look at Proverbs 11.2 as a starting point. I got a dog ear on my Bible and I can't get rid of it. Proverbs eleven two. The Bible says, When pride cometh, then cometh shame, but with the lowly is wisdom. And tonight we want to talk to you about the wisdom of a humble heart the wisdom of a humble heart. And uh, let me get where I need to be here. Let's pray. Father, again, we're thankful for the book of Proverbs. We praise you for the wisdom that you've incorporated there for us. As we look to the book of Proverbs once again tonight and deal with this idea of, of humility, Help us to recognize how important it is that we not be filled with pride, but rather be a humble people like you would want us to be. Speak to our hearts, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. As we read the Bible, we learn that sin originated in a the, in, in the heart that was lifted up by pride. Over in Isaiah chapter 14 and Ezekiel 28, We find insightful references to Lucifer's pride. Hold your place in Proverbs. Go over to Isaiah 14. Isaiah 14. Verses 13 and 14. I'll start with verse 12 in Isaiah 14. The Bible says, How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground which weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend unto heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. There we find a heart full of pride in the matter of Satan. Lucifer was so consumed with his own importance that he resolved that he would be like God. He wasn't content to be close to God. He wasn't content to be close to the throne of God. He wanted to occupy the throne of God, and his pride was the subject. One day in the Garden of Eden, Satan stirred up pride in Eve's heart by declaring that she and Adam could be gods, knowing good and evil, if they would partake of the tree God had placed off limits. So we find pride has been a problem from the very outset And even before man was created, pride was a problem. Solomon knew how vulnerable to pride we really are. Knowing that the devil can destroy a believer by appealing to his or her pride, Solomon taught that God disdains the proud, but he honors the humble. Now, if Solomon addressed his words about pride to his son, Rehoboam, and we believe he did, we know from history that his counsel fell on deaf ears. Rehoboam's pride led to the dividing of the kingdom of Israel. It was the pride of Rehoboam that caused the, the ten to leave and, and that go and form that northern kingdom. Now Solomon's teaching on pride can be seen in Proverbs eleven two, where it says, when pride cometh, then cometh shame but with the lowly, and that lowly there has the idea of being humble, is wisdom. Solomon's words and the word of God is needed much in our culture today. We have a self-centered and proud culture. (coughs) Excuse me. The 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 recognition, if you will, or the emphasis on individual rights has created the climate for the phenomenon that we have today. And recognition of individual accomplishments has fueled the whole thing. It's all about me nowadays. And uh, unfortunately, even Christians are not immune to the effects of individualism, but a consideration of Solomon's words about pride and humility can help us gain a correct perspective uh, of our worth. And so the first thing we want to see tonight is God's attitude towards pride and humility. God's attitude towards pride and humility. Now, we'll be turning to some verses in Proverbs. I want you to go along with me. Somebody said the book of James in the New Testament is the Proverbs of the Old Testament. That's because James offered sound counsel on a lot of different subjects that Solomon wrote about in Proverbs. James, for instance, challenged his readers to be doers of the word and not hearers only. He taught them about pride and he taught about humility over in James 4 and verse 6 when he wrote this. God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. So we see, over in Proverbs chapter 6, go there if you will. Proverbs, the sixth chapter, beginning with verse 16. We're down through verse 19. These six things doth the Lord hate. Yea, seven are an abomination unto him, a proud look, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood, and heart that deviseth wicked imaginations, feet that be swift in running to mischief, a false witness that speaketh lies, and he that soweth discord among brethren. Six things, yea, seven things that God hates. You see, I didn't know God could hate anything. Well, obviously he does because it says he does right here. Hmm. Now, this is one of the most somebody classified it as disarming passages in the book of Proverbs. It lists for us seven things God hates. All seven ultimately relate to a common source of sin. Significantly, pride appears at the top of the list. And amazing that it all starts with pride. The words pride and proud in Proverbs 6 are used sometimes in other references in a very positive way. The concept of exaltation or promotion is implied in other scriptures. Proverbs 27:2, uh over in Luke 18, 19, or 9 through 14, 1 Peter 5:6. We're not going to run all those. But in those uh, passages, we find the uh, the, the idea of, of pride uh, being a good thing, if you will, and it can be in some ways. Um, well, let's look at Proverbs twenty-seven, verse two. It says there. Let another man praise thee and not thine own mouth, a stranger and not thine own lips. So the praise from another person can be a very positive thing. In Luke chapter 18, Luke 18, and um, verse 9, This is the parable of the Pharisee and the publican. Most of us are familiar with it. It said, and he spake this parable unto certain which trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Two men went up into the temple to pray, the one a Pharisee, the other a publican. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men or are extortioners, unjust adulterers, or even this, as this publican. I fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And the publican standing afar off would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to the house justified rather than the other. For everyone that exalteth himself shall be abased. And he that humbleth him himself Shall be exalted. So the matter of humbling ourselves is a good thing. Now, in Proverbs chapter 16 and verse 5, go over there. I know we're turning to a lot of verses. That's okay. Proverbs 16. In verse 5, we find another strong statement about pride. There it says, Everyone that is proud in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Though hand join in hand, he shall not be unpublished. Well, that's a strong statement. And Solomon here is observing that one who is proud in heart is a target for God's punishment. The word that he uses there in Proverbs 16.5 is is synonymous with the the word in in chapter 6, verse 17 that we've already seen. Both of these emphasize self-exaltation. Proverbs 16.5 concludes with a warning that the proud will will not be unpunished. The idea is that the proud are not going to be held innocent. Look at Proverbs chapter 15, verse 25. The Lord will destroy the house of the proud, but he will establish the border of the widow. Uh, God promises a complete destruction here and devastation of the house. Now, he's not talking about a physical house. It's in the cultural use there The idea of house implies more than just a building. The original term speaks of one's home and family as well. The promise of punishment for the proud may imply wiping out his name. This could happen through a lack of sons to carry the family name on to succeed generations. So God says uh, he, he is going to punish pride. But notice, secondly, he hates pride but he honors humility. Now, we saw in chapter 11 and verse 2 that Solomon is assuring his son that God honors the humble. He says, when pride cometh, then cometh shame, but with the lowly, that's the humble, is wisdom. Now, we've already talked about the idea a number of observations recorded as Proverbs link humility and wisdom. And in Proverbs, we find them to be very close companions. The opposite is true. We don't find very much in Proverbs where wisdom and, uh, and pride are connected at all. Now, the word lowly in Proverbs 11 verse 2 uh, is an excellent translation of the original word. Its inherent idea is that of being bowed down, low, or burdened down. And it has the connotation of meekness and humility. In Micah 6.8, he employs a term to identify what God requires of his servants. Here's what we find in Micah 6.8. He has showed thee, O man, what is good, and what doth the Lord require of thee, but to do justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with thy God. Are you getting the idea that humility is so important to the Christian life? Listen, we're living in a world that is so filled with pride and and all about me. And that's not what God ever intended. Solomon also use two other words for humility. These are translated by the words humble and humility. One is in Proverbs 16, 19, where it says, Better it is to be of an humble spirit with the lowly than to divide the spoil with the proud. I hope you get the idea of what the, what Solomon's writing there. It's better off to be with the humble and have a little bit than to divide the spoil or have a lot. Uh, with the proud. Um, The word humble in 1619 speaks of status or station. Somebody said this, and I think there's a lot of insight here. They said, lowly may refer to a person's behavior. Humble may refer to his character. Those whom God honors are those who who are humble, and uh, those who are not proud or haughty. The third word for humble appears in Proverbs 6.3. Go over there. Solomon writes, Do this now, my son, and deliver thyself. When thou art come into the hand of thy friend, go humble thyself and make sure thy friend. God commands, humble thyself. The word communicates the picture of stamping down, and the main idea is to stamp oneself down or to submit oneself. You know, that's a hard thing to submit yourself. How many of you find it difficult to submit yourself? Yeah, let's be honest, it is. I know the Bible says the wife's supposed to submit to the husband. That's a hard thing. And we're all supposed to submit to the Lord. Now, the reason it's so hard is because of pride. That's what gets in the way of us submitting to one another and to the Lord like we're supposed to. That old thing called pride. Hmm. Now, although God condemns pride, he commends the humble. Proverbs 22.4 says, by humility... And the fear of the Lord are riches and honor and life. So we, we've seen here already that God, God is going to deal with the pride and he's going to reward the lowly and, and the humble. Proverbs 1, 7 affirms, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, while Proverbs nine ten teaches, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Solomon here is trying to get his son to understand that humility is inseparably linked to fear of or respect for the Lord. You can't be filled with pride and have respect and and fear of God. Your pride gets in the way of that. But when you're humble, you will have that fear of God that you should have. Hmm. Solomon wanted his son to understand humility is a separate link to fear of God, respect for the Lord. Humility does not come as a result of comparing oneself with someone who is considered superior in character or achievement. Listen, we don't humble ourselves by comparing ourselves to another person. We humble ourselves when we compare ourselves to the Lord and realize how far short we fall. Mm -hmm. Well, it begins with a proper view of God. It is simply the quality that enables us to see ourselves as God sees us. Mm. To me, that's a scary thought. Seeing ourselves as God sees us. You see, God knows the real me and God knows the real you. What do you mean? Well, there's no facade with God. There's no putting on airs with God. And there's no fooling God. We can fool other people, but not him. And so we understand it's a humbling thing to see ourselves as God sees us. So we see God's attitude towards pride and humility. God hates pride. God loves humility. All right, the second thing we want to look at is mankind's attitude towards pride and humility. Now, remember, Solomon's writing Proverbs. He's writing to his son, and he wants his son to maintain a godly attitude towards pride and humility. He wants him to disdain pride and to desire humility. When he says this to his son, he's showing a true love for his son. He had a love that desired only the best for his son. Solomon wanted riches, honor, and life for Rehoboam. And he believed God would give them to his son as the rewards of a humble spirit. Listen, Solomon had already learned this lesson. I believe that with all my heart. He's writing from experience. So let's talk about the disdain for pride. Disdain for pride. We're going to look at four Proverbs and we're going to see that Solomon presented a clear case of disdain or refused to give in to pride. Proverbs 16. Go back there again. Very familiar verse, Verse 18. Pride goeth before destruction, and a haughty spirit before a fall. On the one hand, this proverb states a fact. On the other hand, it gives us a warning. Somebody observed this. The lesson is, beware of pride and arrogance. The higher you climb, the further you might fall. The modern equivalent of this proverb might be, the bigger they are, the harder they fall. Hmm. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. I don't know, have you ever been in a situation where you got a haughty spirit? And God had to humble you? Yeah. And and, you know, humble uh, has a close connotation to uh, humiliated. Sometimes that's what God has to do to us to get us to be humble. Hmm. Proverbs 11 too, we saw that. Go back there again. When pride cometh, then cometh shame. But with the lowly is wisdom. The proud will ultimately be considered a disgrace, in spite of their high opinion of themselves. Proverbs thirteen ten. Only by pride cometh contention, but with the well-advised is wisdom. That idea of only by pride cometh contention, do you you grasp what it's saying there? When there's contention, it's because there's pride and somebody isn't willing to say I was wrong. Hmm? Somebody isn't willing to humble themselves and so contention comes. Hmm. In this verse, translates a word used infrequently in the Old Testament. Its inherent meaning is that of strife or debate. The root word means to struggle. Only by pride cometh contention with the well-advised wisdom. Contention. It means to struggle. Inherent in, it, in its root is the idea of to bring to ruin. In other words, the struggle is so intense that it ultimately leads to ruin. This then is a contribution of the proud debate, strife, and ruination. Proverbs twenty nine twenty-three. Twenty nine twenty-three. A man's pride shall bring him low, but honor shall uphold the humble in spirit. And the word there, low, relates to the word translated humble in other contexts. The proud will one day be humbled. They will be abased or defamed. God's resistance of the proud is certain. Listen, I don't want to be anywhere where I'm going against God. The resistance of God to the proud is certain. So when you get puffed up with pride, you're asking to be in resistance to God and in opposition to him. Solomon painted a bleak picture of the proud person's future. It includes destruction, shame, strife, and ultimately humiliation. You know, I thought of this example of that thing of pride. How many of you remember the book of Esther? Okay, how many remember Haman? That's a picture of what I just said. Haman was all puffed up, full of pride, and uh, and remember he went to the king, and the king said, what should I do to the man I want to honor? Remember that? And Haman thought it was him. And so he told him all these wonderful things that you ought to do to this man you want to honor. <laughs> It turned out to be Mordecai. Yeah. Hey, hmm? Yeah. And you remember, Haman, all puffed up with his pride, ended up on his own gallows. And See, that's the kind of thing that happens when you get puffed up with pride. Well, Solomon's son, Rehoboam, lived to realize firsthand the accuracy of that warning his dad gave him. Here he was when he took over the kingdom. He was all puffed up with pride. And he brought ruin to Israel and shame to himself. For Rehoboam, the fear of the Lord was far from him. And the promises of the Lord for riches, honor, and life eluded him. Rehoboam died in disgrace. Pride. Well, let's look at one other thing here the desire for humility. It is not wrong to aspire to be humble. Solomon urged his son to be humble. He challenged him to cultivate an attitude of submission. He longed for him to be submissive to God. He knew that the secret of success lies in an ability to be submissive. Two more Proverbs of Solomon, 1533. 1533. Before honor is humility. The word humility conveys the meaning of meekness and gentleness. Honor is not the just due of one who has demanded it or pursued it. Honor comes to those who have exhibited a spirit of submission and meekness. Proverbs twenty nine twenty three. A man's pride shall bring him low, but honor shall uphold the humble in spirit. The word honor in 29:23, as well as in 15:33, suggests riches and reputation. Riches and reputation are rewards that come to those who pursue submission and servanthood rather than power and wealth. Is that a paradox? Well, yes, it is. But it's God, God is glorified as we humbly serve Him and others you know remember the words of jesus jesus himself said he didn't come to be served but he came to serve and he said that that in order to those who would be in first place are going to be the last the last are in first jesus was all about humbling yourself not being full of pride Maybe the incarnation of Jesus Christ best demonstrates humility. The humility that leads to honor. Go over to Philippians chapter two. I have a message that I preach about that and I titled it, The Way Up is Down. And that's what Jesus taught. Philippians chapter two. Beginning with verse um, 5. Paul writes there, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself to come to this earth and live in a human body and suffer all the things that he suffered. And God has highly exalted him, and there'll come a day where every knee is going to bow to him. Just think how he had to humble himself and hang on that cross while those those people jeered at him and spit at him and mocked him and, and all that mess. But listen, one day those same people are going to bow their knee to him. God's going to exalt him. Paul described the submission and humiliation of Jesus Christ that brought him ultimately to the cross. But then God exalted his son and gave him the name that is worthy of the highest respect and honor. Paul stated that all creatures will one day bend the knee in honor to the Lord Jesus Christ. Somebody said this, Jesus exalted, exhibited meekness and gentleness throughout his earthly life. In the upper room during his last hours with his disciples before the cross, he humbly performed the role of a servant by washing his disciples' feet. Our Savior's entire life of ministry serves as a lesson for us all. Matthew recorded Jesus' own directions to his disciples, but Jesus called them unto him and said, Ye know that the princes of the Gentiles exercise dominion over them, and they that are great exercise authority upon them. But it shall not be so among you. But whosoever will be great among you, let him be your minister. And whosoever will be chief among you, let him be your servant. Even if the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister, and to give his life a ransom for many." Humility leads to success. Self-exaltation leads ultimately to failure. Another place, Jesus, now I'll paraphrase this, said when you go to a banquet, don't sit in the chief places or the best places. Find the lowliest place and sit there because it would be better for you if somebody invited you to come from the lowliest place to be seated in the highest place than to be taken from the highest place and humbled to sit in the lowest place. Hmm? Listen, we're to humble ourselves so that God can exalt us. The way up is down. And we need to understand that and live it. This biblical maxim opposes the world's notion that we need to climb over others to reach life's top positions. Think about Jesus' instructions to his disciples. He taught them that a the lust for power and prestige contradicts God's way. According to Jesus, the path of servanthood leads to greatness. Pride. Pride is the enemy of God. And pride is probably the hardest sin that we struggle with. Hmm? Hmm? And think about how many other sins pride leads to. Is it any wonder Solomon wrote so much about the dangers of pride and the advantages of humility? We need to practice it.
1: We need to deal
0: with pride and we need to humble ourselves. Father, thank you for what Solomon wrote. Thank you for the words of wisdom that he gives us Thank you for the principle that we see here, how you hate pride, but you give grace to the lowly. Help us to be a humble people. Help us to examine our hearts and see if there be any prideful way in us. Lord, it's so easy to slip into that, that way of pride. Protect us. And help us to follow the example of our Savior, humbling ourselves so that you might exalt us in due time. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, you're dismissed.